0: I'm Joe Connolly with producer Neele Caruso with a nice story for you today that encompasses many things about running a business. We take you to the Harlem Chocolate Factory, which sells refined gourmet chocolate cultivated with a Harlem vibe. Harlem Chocolate Factory was founded in 2015, so they've been at it for a while now. Jessica Spaulding founded it along with her Spelman College sister, Aisha Dixon. Jessica, you've been making chocolates. I guess you even started in your home, did you?
1: Yeah, I started making chocolates when I was around probably like 9 or 10. It was my little way of trying to get my mom to let me eat candy. She was very, very adamant on like no sweets, no uh, refined sugars, if you will.
0: So you came out of Spelman college and then you immediately knew that you wanted to start a chocolate business in Harlem or was it not that simple?
1: Yeah, I know I really wish it was. Um, <laughs> when I was at a Spelman, I had had this like rebellious, uh, moment where I was like, I don't want to be a lawyer, doctor teacher, which was like all the only things that were taught that, were available to me so i decided i took one semester i took my refund check and started a chocolate company no business plan no sales strategy my thought was i was just going to give away a bunch of chocolate and people were going to fall in love with it and just order it for me that's how it made sense in my mind uh and so when that ran out pretty quickly i think probably that business lasted uh, all of like three to four months. Uh, I just felt like entrepreneurship wasn't for me. So when I graduated from college, I just I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I started working in like an after school program. I was I was doing the teaching track. I knew that law wasn't really where I wanted to be. I knew being a doctor was not going to work for me. Um, so like all these tracks that I felt like I was supposed to choose from weren't really working out for me. Um, even though while I was at school, I also did a lot of internships in food marketing. Um, but I didn't see a way to make that a career path, if it makes sense. Like that just all felt like internships, internships. And it was probably what it was like five years later after so many bumps and in, in, <laughs> in ups and downs in my life. Uh, when I really literally felt like I had nothing else, I was like, all right, why don't we go back to the drawing board about this chocolate thing that I wanted, like I've always wanted to do. And that's when I finally started.
0: Isn't that interesting? I mean, you went through a lot of ups and downs, but there was something that you were doing as a girl, one of your first loves. So how's
1: business now? It's insane. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I think that's every entrepreneur's uh, idea. No, I mean business. It has it. It's evolved from this weekend hobby f- to this like full fledged business that we now have to do forecasting and kind of choose between which clients we're going to take and low raise capital and understand the margins and like all these things that feel like so official. Um, It's so it's it's a really, really exciting place to be in as the business further legitimizes itself. Like it's always been a legitimate business but it's always been this kind of like three alarm fire where it's like, oh my God, these people want to order. We got to get it out, get it, get it out. And I don't think COVID made that any better. To now, where it's like, okay, not that that I realized the fire is never going to go away. Like, it's never going to stop. Like, it's never going to not be at this level. We have to find a way to organize the chaos and legitimize all of our processes internally so we can make the business more effective. And how's so, how's that going? It's going. It's going. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a wonderful thing to navigate as. I say wonderful in like wonderfully horrible and crazy uh, with like supply chain creating all of these issues, especially for such a small business. Right. Where we it's not like, okay, supply chain is going to create an issue this February. We're going to buy all the inventory that we need for the year and just sit on it. And yeah, it'll mess up our margins for each quarter. But in the end, it all work out. And it's like oh, small business we don't quite have that same uh, budgetary uh, ideas that we can play around with and just order everything at once. So it's actually forced us to be so much more innovative and really create genuine solutions that are long-term and find out how those solutions can attach themselves to margin and how they can attach themselves to like the longevity of the business.
0: Before Neil jumps in, just give us one example of something innovative you've done, Jessica.
1: Packaging, right? Like November of last year, we used to order like stock packaging because we could just, one, between space and money, we could never just buy a shipping container worth of packaging to last us for the whole year, right? So we have to find a packaging that is good enough to kind of like display all of our luxury elements and our premium elements while at the same time being affordable enough to not put us out of business every quarter when we need to do reorders. And so we have really, it's taken a year and we've just solved our packaging issue Um, and finding ways to be custom, like for it to be customizable While also now we're able to be so much more sustainable than this industry ever has been, right? Like actually the chocolate industry invests very heavily into these very luxury boxes because we need people to show off the chocolate while the chocolate inside the boxes sometimes really, really, really isn't that good. Um, And I've realized that we can innovate that in be a little bit more sustainable while still conveying these same premium elements. So, we have new packaging on the way. We got about six to eight weeks until it's finished. And um, it's so much more sustainable. It's so much more workable for our business um, being small and it's scalable. So, even when we're as big as we can be, we'll still be able to hold on to this same packaging. Jessica, you mentioned
2: a lot of these, you know, big economic challenges that your business, like most businesses, have had to deal with because of COVID. Um, you mentioned supply chain, also inflation. Did you see any opportunities out of this um, to change your marketing at all or your
1: sales strategies? Absolutely. I think, uh, especially when we started the business, it was something we were doing like after work and on the weekends. And slowly but surely there became this idea that people wanted chocolate full time and that we couldn't find production space. So we got a small shop to start producing and starting to get like our our products out there. And it created this really unfortunate uh, feedback loop of producing what our customers wanted locally versus focusing on the fact that we were building a chocolate brand to be within the chocolate industry, if that makes sense, rather than being this shop in our local neighborhood. I mean, I love my neighborhood. I'm from Harlem, born and raised. I always want to do stuff for the neighborhood. But at the same time, it becomes limiting because every person who walks in, when you get 10 customers in your face requesting something, it's really hard to not like turn that away. And I, we had now gone from these three things that we were making when we were doing this after work to around, I think at the right before COVID, it was like 45 SKUs, wow. completely unsustainable. And so the opportunity to really scale down and really dive into the numbers and see what made sense and realizing like, okay, it may feel like a lot to have 10 customers in your face, like, where's that product I really love? But when you look on the paper and you're looking over the past like four or five years and realizing, okay, we've only sold like $3,000 worth of this product. And yes, it feels like it's, it's the most requested product you have, it really gave us a, we were able to create an equation for how we keep products. And I think that that is probably the most valuable Thing that could have ever happened to us because now it's not just, oh, we've gotten five emails from someone or someone's really in our face about what they love, which I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs feel that pressure when they're like, it's like time to get rid of a skew. Like, no, but people love it so much. And it's like, but look at the numbers. What do the numbers say about how many people love it? And we were able to come up with this equation of like a threshold we have to pass in order to just keep something on the menu.
2: And Jessica, we understand you also started selling to hotels. How did you break through into that space?
1: You know what? This a Harlem Chocolate Factory, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn. I get uncomfortable about this, but I'm going to toot my own horn. I do believe we did the branding so well that there's this kind of timeless element to how we have put the brand, how we put this Business into the marketplace. Once we couple that with really focusing on having really, really good products, the word of mouth itself has just spread. Um, We have not yet contacted any clients about, like, I have my wish list. Aisha has her wish list of like ideal clients that we want to work with, whether they be retailers, hotels whatever kind of vendor it is. And it's been a remarkable that a lot of those people have been reaching out to us. So it wasn't something that it's always something we wanted to do, but we never felt like we were in a place operationally to handle it. And it was just this kind of like seamless interaction when a, uh, one, hotel reached out and we were like, okay, let's just figure this out with them just so we can have it in our Rolodex. And, I probably aged myself with saying Rolodex there, but uh, (laughs) we could just have it. And then we did it and it was like, oh, okay. There's not a lot of heavy lifting there and it actually makes sense. Let's find out if more. And then more started. We did well with one hotel and then another was like, okay, well, we're going to reach out. People don't get like networks are really strong. So like, when you service one person and, it's, and it goes really well, they're likely, they likely have a colleague that may not be in the same industry as they, or not be at the same business as them, but within the same industry, and they will tell them like about your business. And that's like the word of mouth has probably been our most effective marketing tool.
0: Did I understand you to say that you are turning business away now? You, still, you currently have more orders than you can
1: fill? We've been turning business away since we first started. (laughs) Wow. I hate it. But that's also about me understanding what different types of capital are. And so now we're in the process of like, we now have to really look at this business and raise capital because it doesn't make sense for a business to constantly turn away money.
0: And I just want to ask you for other business owners, specifically how you made that innovation in packaging I mean, did you have to get on the phone and call every packaging Mac maker in the world? Or how what led you to that innovation?
1: So I actually been studying packaging uh since I started the business. So I looked at every single uh weakness for a business in my industry. It's like a SWOT analysis when I first started. Yeah. I started the business through through a business plan competition. And the weaknesses were uh, supply chain. And so I looked up uh, every element of supply chain, ingredients, uh, cream, chocolate, uh, packaging. And packaging was one of those. And I studied every element to it. So I started to go to trade shows for packaging and i signed up for all the like packaging magazines and they come to me. So I'm always reading on trends and always reading about different paper and different innovations and um, connecting with different people in the packaging industry.
0: That is unbelievable, Jessica. We just a week ago had as a guest on our show, Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. And the main secret to success that he brought out and stressed was exactly what you are doing. He said he reads all the time. Read, read, read. And I'm just so struck that you just are doing
2: exactly what he said. Isn't that cool, Neil? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's exactly what he said. Read as much as you can um, yeah. whenever you're able to, because um, just not enough time in the day. Um, yeah. you know? So that's, that's amazing. And you mentioned train shows in that answer. And one thing I read uh, in preparing for the interview is that you used to go to trade shows as a kid with your mother. Yep. I'm curious, now that trade shows are coming back, yep. um, how do you maximize that experience so that you get sales or, you know, get those key, um, you know, people that will lead to more referrals for, your, for you and your business?
1: That's that's excellent. So what we, we really strategize as trade shows, one person's there for education, one person's there for sales, one person's there for partnerships. And I will literally get my friends together with me we'll have a meeting about what the point of us going to this trade show is. (laughs) And each person has a specific task, they're given a task and that entire day, that's the only task you do because it can be completely overwhelming. You're talking to hundreds of people. And so we just do it like a divide and conquer And uh, that's why I think we're able to make like real connections and there's no limit, right? Like there's no, I need you to talk to a hundred people. That's insane. You're not going to get a quality interaction. So it's like each one of you come with five true leads. If it's even five, if you feel like by number two, you've got the guy then deal with that person or, or the girl, you know, uh, but deal with that person and build like a real connection with them over whatever you, the topic that you're in charge of. And how do you
0: uh, just briefly, how do you instill the vibe, the Harlem vibe in
1: your store? Well, you know, that, that's that's a little bit of the secret spice. No, uh, for me, the store really was about me conveying these kind of this idealistic idea of what Harlem was. Right. And what it c- continues to be also. And we wanted to look like we dropped a little chocolate shop in the middle of like a parlor living room and a fancy brownstone. It was what I had always fantasized about growing up and and understanding the history of Harlem. Um, and so I don't know how it, it it translates to anyone else, but I feel like we've effectively kind of captured Harlem in what we do.
0: It translates because of you, Jessica. I think that's the answer. Thanks. And you know what? We have not heard the last of the Harlem Chocolate Factory. What a great story you're telling. Great Thanks. to know you. Thank you very much.
1: I really appreciate it.